0: service, and um, it's just so good to see everybody. It's like we're at the beach. Look at all these (laughs) these sun umbrellas. This is awesome. I love being out here. I love the kids being able to just run in the park and play, and it's it's just uh, so natural, so beautiful. Jesus preached outside all the time. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, So last week, Uh, By the way, uh, to give an offering, you can go to gatheringplacechurch.org and go to the giving page there. You can um, give by a text in 84321. You can also give to the Visitor Center. There's a basket over there. You can put an offering in over there as well. So uh, last week, during the worship, uh, I felt strongly that the Holy Spirit wanted us to bring a declaration into areas of your life that needed to be Realigned with the will of God. And I talked a little bit about I gave an example of uh, Of that a story that I shared with you and then talked about how to do it. It's very simple Um, The Bible says that the church of Jesus has the authority on earth To bind and loose things in other words things that are already bound in heaven. You can bind them in the earth You're green with heaven Things that are already allowed in the earth, that's what that word means, to allow or disallow. Allowed in the earth by heaven, we can release and allow in the earth as the church. We're the only entity, the only organization on the planet that has that ability. And so last week, I was leading you in this, and uh, we took a few moments for you to declare. And the reason I'm sharing this with you again is because we have just a couple of testimonies, which is the proof in the pudding, right? It's so cool. So... Um, I was uh, talking to a, a lady yesterday and she said her husband, now all the wives are going to love this and they're going to try it immediately, I'm sure. She said, my husband just hasn't been right. He hasn't been himself. Um, and uh, it's really straining the marriage. And uh, it's not God's will. He's not being who God has designed him to be. And so when we, 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 I said decree and declare God's will over somebody specifically, she decreed it over her husband. And she left this church service last Sunday, and she said she went home, and he was completely changed. She said it was shocking. And from last Sunday until yesterday, when she told me this, she said he is back to his old self. Isn't that amazing? Is that amazing? Okay, look, some of you might not believe it. Some of you might think it's witchcraft. This isn't about controlling other human beings. Sometimes there's a spiritual component. And you're just decreeing this over your loved ones. Decreeing it over yourself. We are, we are using our declarations uh, not to get heaven to do something that's not already in line with heaven. That's, that's weird and wrong. It's simply decreeing things that God's already decreed. We're agreeing with him in the earth. Amen. You know, it doesn't happen every time, but it'll never happen if we don't do it. So another testimony, a teenager last week said she has a friend that is really dealing with anxiety and depression and she has suicide ideation, and she's in a really uh, difficult place, and then something tragic happened to uh, one of her friends in her friend group, and she was in a, a, just a really bad place, but she would talk to her parents about getting a therapist, and she said her dad would just mock her and laugh at her. You know, some dads just aren't doing a good job. I hate to say it, but I, I heard that, as like, that's horrible, you know? And so they just don't, her parents just don't, don't, don't quote mental illness, which is weird to me. And um, so we were here last Sunday and that teenager started declaring God's will be done over her friend. The next night, the dad walks in to her friend's bedroom and says, would you like to see a therapist? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Your words have life, the power of life and death in them. That's what the Bible says. That's why Jesus, this guy came to Jesus and says, come to my house and heal my servant. And uh, Jesus says, no, I don't need to come with you. You've got the faith. And it says, Jesus just spoke a word. And then when the guy went home, they said, hey, the servant is healed. And he says, when was he healed? And they told him the hour. And it's the exact same time that Jesus spoke the word. Many times we're calling out to God to speak the word, his word over our lives, and he's telling us to speak it on his behalf because we are his sons and daughters of the earth carrying the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. amen? All right. So this is a couple wonderful testimonies from last Sunday's message. So today... So, today I want to uh, continue in our Kingdom series, and I want to share a message called How to Be Like Christ This Christmas. I'm going to give you three ways to be like Christ. In line with what I was sharing with you, as we all know, this Christmas is different than maybe any other Christmas we've ever experienced. And more people are suffering now, maybe, than we've ever seen in our lives. Um, just awful stories of deaths just heard another story a couple days ago of uh, someone here in our congregation their boss's teenage daughter or 24 year old, I'm sorry just graduated from college this week and then killed herself and um, marriages, that you know, I don't have to go through the statistics, You, you all are living it you know people these are really, really difficult, hard times. But you see, there's never been a better time for you to be like Jesus to those who are suffering. Because your efforts now in this time are going to be more impactful than they've ever been. In fact, I'll tell you this other um, thing we stumbled upon this week. the leadership- team. We came together. And I asked them, I said, I want to talk to you every every month, uh, the senior leadership team, the primary leaders of this church, we gather together. We're doing it via Zoom. And I call it the Leadership Roundtable. I used to teach on leadership principles, but all of them are now just full-on mature leaders in their own right. So now I do what's called a Leadership Roundtable, where I throw out a leadership topic from the Word of God, uh, and then we just talk about it. And the gold that ends up on the table is just amazing and so this last time i was i was talking about uh leading through in tough times leading in tough times and um one one leader said you know i just feel like a failure as a leader can't gather people can't uh structure things can't you know organize outreaches you know just i can't disciple people the way they need to be discipled and and another person said the same thing another said said the same thing but then one person on the team said yeah but you called me and that, when I was at my lowest point, and that one phone call impacted me so deeply. And I said, wait a minute, you called me too. And I said, I was in a bad place. And uh, I was driving down the to do Marsha's funeral. And, uh, and this person called me, and they spent about 10 minutes just speaking to me about uh, things that would encourage me. And they got done, and it was just quiet. I was just, I didn't know how to respond. I was tearing up. And all I could say was, Take that, devil. (laughs) What we determined was one phone call, one text, one email, one word of encouragement, one prayer right now is worth a thousand times more than in good times. So even if your circle of influence is smaller because of the COVID restrictions and all that, it's more impactful. So three ways to be like Christmas, three ways to be like Christ this Christmas. Jesus said this. What do I mean by that? Jesus said, for the Son of Man did not come to be served. This is this, this scripture right here will free your mind and your heart for the rest of your life if you truly get this paradigm shift. Jesus said the Son of Man, Jesus, the Son of God, who had it all in heaven, everything he wanted, worship, purity, everything, adoration, power, everything. He comes down to this earth of brokenness. And he says, I did not come to be served. <laughs> Boy, if that whole thing could just be shifted around for us. When you spend your life trying to be served by others, like going into a marriage, if you go into a marriage for your happiness, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a disaster. Uh, marriage isn't you make me happy. Marriage is I make you happy. And then you make me happy. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100. Jesus said that husbands are to lay down their lives for the, for the bride, just like Jesus did for the church. And wives are to respect and honor their husband the way the church honors and respects Christ. It's an all-in proposition. So whenever we come uh, at life with what's in it for me, you're going to be unhappy unsatisfied continuously for the rest of your life. Once you make the shift and we become like Christ himself and we decide, I am here to be a blessing. The Abrahamic covenant, God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so much. It's going to blow your mind. But the reason I'm doing it is so that you can be a blessing to all the families in the world. Now we are part of that Abrahamic covenant. Now. That's why if we just say, bless me, bless me, bless me, you know, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. What happens is you end up being a lake and not a river. And your life just becomes stagnant and stinky. Because you're always going to be unsatisfied because it's all about me rather than we. And so Jesus says this. For the, I'm preaching, by the way. Did you guys notice that? I'm already preaching. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, which he did. So, here's three ways Jesus has already served you and is serving you. Number one, Jesus loves you. Now, for some of you, that should be shocking. Jesus loves you. I like what Rick Warren says, Pastor of Satterback Church. Quote, Jesus was sent on a mission of love. God created the entire universe just so he could create the human race, just so he could create you, just so he could love you. (laughs) See, that's where your specialness comes from. That's where your self-worth and self-esteem comes from. Whenever you try to get your self-worth and self-esteem from another human being, you're going to be in a little rat race. It's never going to stop. And if that person doesn't give you their affirmation and your validation, you're going to get weird trying to get it. You're going to get distorted out of your own personality. And if that person doesn't do it, then you're going to go to the next person and the next person. We, we, are, we have this, this uh, vacuous hole inside of us for affirmation, affirmation, significance, self-worth, because we fell from the presence and the glory of God. We were made perfect when we were made by God. Now we're imperfect and we know it. And so when we try to get our self-worth from other human beings who are also imperfect, it'll never work. That's why we need to start with the fact that God loves me. Now, what do you have to say? Right? Completely change. I'm telling you, some of you have experienced the love of God. It changes everything. I was talking to my son Josiah. Uh, we pulled up here to the park, and he was, he was reminding me we were talking about an encounter he had not too long, ago, a couple of years ago, where God revealed his love to Josiah, and it just broke him. It was beautiful. See, you had these love encounters with the Father, and they well, the Bible says it casts out all fear. <laughs> the love of God casts out all fear. I love Rick's and Valerie's Sozo ministry. That's what it's all about. The Father's love, right? Your identity. And uh, you go to meet with uh, Rick and Val and their Sozo team and they just meet you with you and the Holy Spirit and they just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And it's, it's just a way to help you hear from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says things to you that just fix stuff. Amen. <laughs> just fix stuff. <laughs> Makes you whole again. You see, now you might think, well, you know, it makes me feel like, you know, God loves me. I, you know, I have a hard time receiving the love of God. Look, I was that person. I had a very hard time receiving the love of God. Until I finally came, well, I learned through uh, my former pastor who had preached on it so much, I realized it was shame that was blocking me from being on the street, received the love of God. See, we have God's love backwards. Because we're human beings, we love what's lovable. We just got a new puppy and we rescued another dog. I mean, she is so sweet. Yeah, I know. It's a, it was already a zoo at my house before the animals came. And Hope's like this animal magnet now, you know, she's like, oh, I want to adopt him. Oh, I want to adopt her. I'm like, no, 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 no. (sighs) Josiah said, can we have a, can we have a normal dog? We have a, it's it's always just one, one legged, one eyed, you know. And so this dog is just so sweet and so precious, so easy to love this dog because she's so lovable. We have another dog that we're having a hard time loving because uh, he's just really, really cranky and doesn't do much. Very difficult, very needy. God's not like that. God loves both dogs equally. Because, you see, God's love is not a responsive love. It's not like, oh, you're so amazing. I love you. No, it's not like that at all. God says you are pathetic and wretched and I love you. Because God is love. And so when you and I recognize, when we change the the equation between us and God, thinking how could God love me? Well, it's not about you. It's about him. That he loves you just as you are. That's for somebody today. God loves you just as you are. Now, he loves you too much to leave you that way. But he loves you anyway. And so once I learned that that the thing that was stopping me from being able to receive the love of God was shame. Just being aware of your own brokenness and your own sin. When I realized that voice, well, hello. Good to see you. For those of you watching live, we just have a bicycler and a follower. Let the children come to me. Yes. So once I realized that that what was blocking me was shame, like I'll clean myself up, I'll become lovable, then I'll approach God, eh. no, you approach God stinky and nasty and sinful imperfect and all that you are and just do this say god i'm just gonna let you love me anyway it's uncomfortable but i'm gonna let you do it because i'm telling you what that's that's the power that will change you into being a beautiful human being i'm gonna let you love me anyway Will you say that out loud with me today say god i'm gonna let you love me anyway yeah we're gonna do it again say it again god i'm gonna let you love me anyway (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to do it one more time, and I want everybody to do it, or we'll do this all day long, and I can't tell because you have a mask on, but Jesus knows. (laughs) We're going to say it again. Ready? Go. God, I'm going to let you love me anyway. Just let that sink down into you. Life only works when you are loved well. When you're not well loved, You become weird. And you spend your life trying to get that love that you didn't get, that you were supposed to get. And then when you don't love others well, you add to their weirdness. Life only works when you love well and you're loved well. When you're loved well and you love well. And if you're not loved well, then somebody can love you well and then you get well and then you can love well. Because you were made from love and for love. We're made from him. And God is love. So how can you love someone well this Christmas season? Who is it? Who? An individual. Like a specific person. Who can you love well? Like Jesus loves this christmas who is it that you can help show the love of christ to being like christ at christmas and i want to read this verse and then we'll move to the second point about how you can be like christ this christmas there's nothing you can do that will ever change the love of god for you in fact the more pathetic you are the more love he releases to you because you need his love that much more the Bible says where sin abounds, God's grace much more abounds. If your sin goes up, God's grace goes up higher. Your sin goes up, His grace goes up higher. Because He needs to cover it. Like a father, a good father, to a child. Keeps covering their mistakes, covering their shame, covering their inadequacies. Because you want your child to be whole and healthy. And you know that a father's, a mother's love does that. Look what this scripture says about our Father in Heaven, That we'll move on. Romans chapter 8. Powerful verse. Let this sink in. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither COVID or what? That's my translation. Neither angels nor demons, neither fears nor fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The first way Christ serves you is that he loves you. The second way he serves you is that he is with you. Yeah. Uh, we rescued this dog, Violet. I call her Coco. Sorry, honey. And, uh, so the 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 gal that rescued her said that she's going to be really skittish, and uh, until she's caught, talking to me how to, how to walk her properly uh, because. Um, as a rescue dog that was chained to a pole, like every day, all day long, since so she had you know this scar around her neck from from the rope, uh, until she is until she knows that you're going to protect her, she's going to uh, have a hard time you know trusting you and being skittish and all that. And so, uh, Bella and I are walking her down Montecito, up in Ramona, country road, and cars come flying down there and trucks and. And so, whenever a car would come by, you know, at first, you know, she would like crouch down and kind of pull back, and and uh, it was very difficult walking her down the road. But we walked every day, even sometimes a couple times a day. And now, what I've noticed is, little by little, every car that goes by, she shudders a little less, because she knows I'm with her. When sheep go through the Valley of the Shadow of Death, which is an actual physical place in Israel, it's an actual passageway. The sheep draw closer to the shepherd and the shepherd to the sheep because it's dangerous. So David, who was a shepherd, says about the Lord, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Not some evil. I will fear no evil. Why? You know it. Say it out loud. Because, come on. Do you know the Bible family of God? Come on. I know you do. And you have on masks. So you've got to say it loud. <laughs> yes, for you are with me. That's that's it. That's all you need. I like what Mike Nelson said, you know, this morning. When you and Jesus walk into a room, you're the, you're the majority. No matter how many people are there. No matter what's going on. Look what Jesus says about this. If you love me, obey my commands. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper who will never leave you. Some of you have believed a lie from the devil that because of your sin, God has left you or distanced himself from you. That is a lie from Satan. You know I know that? God forsook Jesus while he was on the cross so that he would never have to forsake you. Now we're back to the love of God. See, God permanently took Jesus' credit rating and gave it to you. So even when you sin, the Father sees you perfect. He sees you through the eyes of the sacrifice of His Son, the payment that's already been made for you. So He will never leave you, ever. Ever. Not going to happen. But when you when you understand that in your mind, Satan will stop being able to torment you with the lie that the Father has turned his back on you. When people say, well, God's not talking to me anymore. I'm like, no, he's, you're just not listening. I, I would never stop talking to one of my children. No matter, no matter how squirrely they get, no matter how much they annoy me, even when I feel like, you know, Rrr! I'm a father. I love them. I'm just going to love them through their stuff. And I'm sinful and broken and fallen and human. God is the father in heaven. He can just absorb all of our nastiness and just love us right through it. He's never going to stop being with you. In fact, as I said earlier, the worse you and I are, the closer he comes to us. The more broken you are, the closer and more prevalent prevalent his presence. So this goes on to say he will never leave you. He, the Holy Spirit, who leads into all the truth. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and now, now and later will be in you. That was after the resurrection. Jesus was with them. But after the resurrection and you receive Christ as your savior, he breathes his spirit into you so the spirit is in you forever. And th- listen to this wonderful phrase. Jesus says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And he did when you received him as Savior. His spirit was breathed into you and he's with you now forever. The incarnation of God, which is God becoming man at Christmas, was temporary as he lived on the earth. But once you receive Christ as your Savior and he breathes a Spirit into you, that incarnation is permanent and eternal. Amen. God in you. God with you forever and ever until you see him face to face. And he just wraps you up in his arms and says, You made it! <laughs> I remember, uh, we'll move to the next point after this. I remember uh, early on in the church, I was so discouraged after the first couple years and I just needed to get along with God. So I went up on a hill in Escondido, parked my car overlooking the city and I just sat there. And I was needing something profound from God. But all he said to me, it was like almost immediately, turned off the engine, sat there. I was willing to sit there all day long, a couple days if I had to, I need to hear from God. You ever been there before? I got to hear from God. Yeah, huh? And he spoke this phrase to me. I am with you. And I thought, well, that's not much help. <laughs> I'm like, please tell me you got more than that. And then, then he didn't say anything else. You know, when I say he spoke to me, a thought came to my mind that I knew wasn't you know mine because i wouldn't have come up with that because i didn't think it was worth much and so then i started studying that phrase right there in my car i am with you and i started studying through the bible everywhere god said i'm with you and you know what i found out Woo! that's all you need man <laughs> oh, everywhere you find that phrase in the bible i am with you i am with you i am with you or god was with him or god was with her the devil gets whooped up on that person, that group of people, that nation has victory. I mean, it is the only thing you need to know is that God is with you. I tell you this one last story. So I was in sixth grade, and I was going to get beat up by the bully of the sixth grade class. And I was scared to death. I kept avoiding him. I was as a hippie. I had a hair in sixth grade. I had my hair down to here. And uh, my, 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 I went to live with my mom in Arizona, and it was a redneck school. And uh, everybody had their hair shaved. They pitched hay before they went to school in the morning and did whatever they do with their cows and pigs and chickens and stuff. And I was just a hippie, man. And uh, and so I showed up to school, said so they hated me right off the bat because, you know, I wasn't like them. And so he kept threatening Grant. I remember his name. You know how those childhood things can damage you for life? I remember his name. And his name was Grant. And his sidekick, name was Junior. And uh, and so, yeah, Grant and Junior. If you're watching this, by the way, I forgive you. And uh, so... Uh, the, the, they picked they, the day came i'm out there on the sixth grade playground and he came and shoved me in the chest and then it went, ooh and then they get the circle around you that aren't going to help you they're there for the show and you're the sacrificial lamb and uh and so they're fight 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 and you know your legs just you, you know your knees just you're ready to collapse on the ground out of complete terror and he's i mean he's going to just i mean he he pitched hay before school you know <laughs> I looked like, you know, Spongebob, you know. And uh, so then I told my, like, only other friend I had, I said, go get my brother. He's on the eighth grade playground. And so he ran to get my brother. And right when I was about to die, all of a sudden the line breaks open, like four people go tumbling, and my brother comes running through that, that, that uh, circle and goes right up to Grant and shoves him in the chest and knocks him back. And I was like, mm, come on, man. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring it. You know, behind my brother. Bring it, right. And Grant starts crying. I was like, oh yeah! I, lo- I love that memory. And so he's crying. And they, they never touched me again, you know. There are so many promises in the Bible of how your father feels about you. How he's there to protect you. To be with you. Always through the trials of life. He may not change all your situations, but he'll be with you through every situation. And this last scripture for the second point, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Psalm 34:18. you might want to write that down, memorize it, Psalm 34:18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Some of your spirits have been crushed this year. And you say, has God abandoned me? I don't feel him. I don't know where he is. Look, faith is not a feeling. Faith is believing that what the Lord said is true. I'm going to read this to you again. Psalm 34:18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. The question is, as the Lord is drawn near to you, will you draw near to him? This brings out the last point, that is God is for you. How has Jesus loved you? Uh, How how, how has uh, Jesus served you? He loves you. He's with you forever. And he is for you. Jesus didn't just save you to be saved. He saved you to succeed. How many of you put a bumper sticker on your car, you know, my child is a failure? My child screwed up this morning. My child screws up more than your child. How many of you have that bumper sticker on your car? No, man. Your bumper stickers basically saying my child is smarter than your child, stronger than your child. You'd be lucky to have my child over your child. That's what all of our bumper stickers are. We love it when our children succeed in life. Why do we think when I was grew up, I thought God was after me to catch me doing something wrong to punish me? Isn't that a horrible image to live life with? Some of you had that image of God. He's already known what you've done wrong. He already knows what you're doing wrong. And he's after you to forgive you, to help you. To help you out of that situation, out of that addiction, out of whatever the thing that's hurting you is. And help you get on your feet and succeed in who he's called you to be and what he's called you to do. God is for your success. The Bible says God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. John 3, 17. I was asking uh, Jeff, Marcia's husband, last week after... The night before her funeral, I asked Jeff, are you struggling with the goodness of God right now? And he said to me, as he's standing in Costco, he said, he's at Costco. We were on the phone for 45 minutes and we just talked and talked and talked and talked. So I said, Jeff, are you struggling with the goodness of God? He said, no, that was settled when God sent his son and died on the cross for our sins. Oh, man. I was like, well, you don't need me. (laughs) I said, you. Woo! What I found is that God watches me in the same way I watch my kids, I watch my children so I can help them. I, I cover so many of their mistakes. If you if you jump on every mistake your child makes, you just you just you'll demoralize them. You got a lot a lot of stuff just go, but some things you can't let go. And and so yeah, even discipline as part of being a loving father. I, I remember when Elliot one time he asked me about you know why do you discipline me and why why won't you let me have this and why you do that? I said because I love you so much, son. He said he stopped and he thought and he said he was like nine maybe younger. He said. Can you not love me for just a day? <laughs> <laughs> if God did not want you to succeed, he would have just stayed in heaven. Yeah. And that is so right on. Right, Chris? He came down here to rescue you. And he is rescuing you. Now he calls each of us, I'm going to close with this. Now he calls each of us as his people to not be so introverted, not to to be so navel-gazing in our own need to be loved and to know that God's with us and for us. He wants us to turn that outward. As long as you're one step ahead of the person following you, you can help them. Let's think about Mike this morning. He was saying he went hiking with one of his kids. And he said, he told his kids that they were hiking up the mountain this morning, right? They'll show off getting up early and hiking before church. And uh, he said to his son, you know, what powerful legs you have. Look how strong your legs are. And man, that made his son just go, yeah, man. <laughs> he got to the top. He's like, look what I did, Dad. Good job, Dad. That's what the Father does with you and I. He's not shaming you. That's your own thoughts, and that's the devil jumping, dogpiling you. Jesus is forgiving you. The woman caught in adultery, she deserved to be stoned to death. And Jesus says, which one of you have never sinned, throw the first stone, and they all walked out. Jesus got the shamers out of her presence. That's what Jesus does. Then he says, I don't condemn you either. I don't shame you. Now, come on, get up and don't do that anymore because it's destroying your life. Follow me and you'll be following the light of life. That's our Jesus. Can I hear an Amen. Okay, so the same way you have been loved by Jesus, the same way you know that he's been with you through trials and tribulations, the same way you know that he is for you and for your success, Be that way to others. And I'm going to close with these two verses. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Don't let your suffering go to waste. Amen. Your suffering, your scars qualify you to be an empathetic healer of others. Amen. The Bible says we're God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. I want to tell you this one last story and then I'm going to, we're going to go into our small groups. You're going to, you're going to talk through this. I'm in, I'm in this with you. I have to fight my battles just like you fight your battles. The last few months have been very, very difficult for pastors all over the city, all over the nation. Pastors are really fighting to stay in leadership, stay as pastors, uh, heal their congregations. There's relational warfare everywhere. Division, strife, people that have loved each other for years and even decades aren't talking to each other. It's hard. We're in the relationship family business and families are being ripped apart. The battle, the, the kingdom of God, every local church is an outpost of the kingdom of God and they're being ripped apart because people aren't loving Jesus, loving one another and loving our world. And uh, and so, and this isn't for you to feel sorry for me. Please don't, don't use what I'm gonna share with you to, to feel sorry for me because that will ruin what I'm trying to say to you. I wanna talk to you about how I'm in the trenches with you. And so I was walking down, taking a walk yesterday with my sister Renee, who's here, and she said, how are you doing? And I started just processing my pain and my frustrations. And uh, after she listened to it for long enough, she said, why don't we just pray in tongues for a little while? You want to pray in tongues? And I was thinking in my head, no. But I didn't want to argue with my older sister, so I said, okay, we will pray in tongues. I'm like, I'll just pray in tongues for a little while and get this over with and we'll go home soon as I started praying in tongues. Now listen, what I'm going to tell you what the Father said to me, if you don't hear it in the spirit of a loving Father who wants me to succeed and wants you to succeed, you'll you'll misinterpret it. See, only the Lord can rebuke you and it feels so good. Isn't that true? The Lord can tell you what you need to hear even when it's hard and it sets you free. There's no shame ever in it. And as soon as I started speaking in tongues, the father said, when are you going to stop acting like a victim? Oh! Now? (laughs) All right. And man, this revelation just started flowing through me again, and faith started rising again, and... It's like, wow, how big, what mountain's big enough to conquer my God and me? You know, I mean, I just started getting all this revelation and started feeling like, you know what, we're going to get through this. The Bible says, speak in tongues, building yourself up on your most holy faith. As soon as I started speaking in tongues, because my sister made me, faith rose up in my spirit which is different than your emotions and your soul, and your mind, it's in your spirit, spirit to spirit. He had praised in an unknown tongue, unknown tongue, unknown tongue. Oh, I might as well speak in there tongues now. <laughs> <Do> it, <man. laughs> he just speaks in an unknown tongue. He's not speaking to man, but to God, because his spirit is praying. Surpassed my mind and told me that you're victorious. And it broke something. It broke that victim spirit in me. Thank God for other tongues and sisters. Thank God for family members. You cannot isolate during this time, family of God. Many times God will give you what you need through others. So that's why we're going to break into small groups now. We have people who are facilitating and the questions you're going to be discussing are, in what ways has Jesus shown you personally that he loves you, is with you and is for you? Your facilitators have these questions. You don't have to memorize these. I'm just giving them to you in advance. In what ways has Jesus shown you Personally, that he loves you, is with you, and is for you? And secondly, how can you, in very practical terms, and to specific people, be more like Christ this Christmas, showing them that you love them, are with them, and for them? All right, so let's turn into circles. And some of you, by the way, I gave that testimony about speaking in other tongues. Maybe you've never received a prayer language. And you can have your group pray for you, that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and be able to have a spiritual prayer language. I'm telling you, it's one of the most powerful things you will ever have in your arsenal. All right. So you at home, uh, discuss those questions. And facilitators, if you'll stand, so people can know and raise your hand where you're going to be facilitating a group and you can gravitate towards your groups. The reason we're doing this, family, is because we have found that in this uh, season, this COVID season, community is the most important thing Connectedness is what we need more than ever. And I've been hearing some powerful stories coming out of these after the sermon small group discussions. So please jump into a small group. You don't have to say anything if you don't want to. You don't have to share. But you'll listen. You're going to hear some really great stuff uh, coming through others. So, Mike, um, you got a small group here. Mark, you got a small group. shelley has got a small group. Mark Nelson has a small group. Uh, Chris Larkin over here, Kobe Mazzucato.